All right, how's everybody doing this morning? All right. Good. Well, my name is Justin. If we've never met, it's great to be with you. And I do want to say this is the first time I've spoken when we're actually live in Brighton. So for those of you guys watching in Brighton, glad to be with you this morning. Uh, I wear a couple different hats around the Northridge world. I'm the student ministries director, so I lead that team. Uh, But most Sunday mornings, I'm actually in Celine as the Celine campus lead. So I can't be there with them today, but I'm happy to be with you guys. Happy to be with those of you in Brighton. And for anyone watching Church On Demand as well, glad to have you with us. Well, you'll notice there's no iPad on the table. Uh, Brad is not with us this weekend. Uh, As a matter of fact, he and Roxanne and a crew are in Turkey this week. And they are filming uh, for a brand new series coming up this fall. If if you've been around Northridge the last couple of years, you remember our Origins series from the last couple of years. This one will be Origins 3. Uh, Don't want to give too much away. I think that's the one where Alien fights Predator. I'm not positive. I don't want to lead us in too bad of a direction there, but uh, I, think, I think that's where that one's going to go. But uh, my job today is to kick off a three-week series, and you're going to hear from me today. Next week, you're going to hear from our new Grosseal campus pastor, Colston Copeland. Uh, he is originally from Texas, and he's up here uh, serving with us now. In a couple weeks, you'll hear from Adam Mashney, who is our middle school pastor here in Plymouth. He's from Rochester Hills, uh, so his accent will be a little bit more familiar to you. It won't be as big of a deal. Uh, but we're excited to share with you guys, because really, as we, as we thought through what we could do with these three weeks, uh, we came across what we believe is a very vital issue, definitely to our spiritual growth as individuals, but re- we really think that it has the potential to revolutionize how we look, how our kids look, and even how our kids' kids look, if we can grasp what we're talking about over the next few weeks. And so, uh, I want to kick off by just letting you know what our Ground Zero passage is going to be for this series Uh, It's in Judges chapter 2, and before I read that verse, uh, to let you know how we ended up at this spot as we look through the Old Testament, um, some familiar names, if you've been around church for any amount of time, think back on Moses, all right? Moses, as he had the burning bush experience, uh, he went back to Egypt, brought the Israelites out, they crossed the Red Sea, they received the Ten Commandments, they wandered through the wilderness, Eventually, Moses steps back, Joshua steps in as the leader of that nation, and he takes them into the promised land. Now, they experience a time of war, time of violence as they uh, take this land that God had promised them, but ultimately they take it. And now as we jump into Judges chapter 2, Moses is gone, Joshua is gone, and the generation that survived them is gone, and we come upon a new generation. And so now listen to what it says in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, Moses is gone, Joshua is gone, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. New generation, now now this blew our minds. Now, for Adam and Colson and I, we had read through Judges before. We've been through the Old Testament, but for some reason, this time through, this verse grabbed us as we thought, okay, this is a generation that didn't experience Egypt They didn't experience the Red Sea. They didn't receive the Ten Commandments on site. They didn't even really experience the battles of going into the Promised Land. And yet these are are stories, these are experiences that shape our lives and affect us in 2015. And yet somehow, God and everything that he had done had been forgotten in a generation and a half. It's crazy. Ridiculous faith on God's behalf and really ridiculous for them to forget. And I think it's easy to get into this mode. I think every generation 
since the beginning of time, has decided that the one coming after it is completely lost, right? There's no, they have no chance. We're all in trouble. They're just going to blow the world up, and it's just going to be a disaster. That's not exactly what I'm talking about here. What we found in this passage is a 360-degree failure on the part of that nation to ensure that their faith, their history, and their God were passed down to everyone within that community. A 360-degree failure. Equal blame for the failure. And really, for our purposes over, this, over today in this series, is equal responsibility for the future. See, we freak out when a generation comes along that doesn't know Michael Jordan or Green Day or, or that the best way to save money is under a mattress, right? Kids these days, crazy, okay? My, I have a four-year-old son. He's walking around in a LeBron James jersey. Blasphemy as far as I'm concerned, all right? Michael Jordan is the best, always has been, always will be. I don't care who comes along. See, and that's clapping in Detroit. People, I mean, you were supposed to hate Chicago, but there's something about Michael Jordan, right? But, so those are little things, but even bigger things where uh, coming up this week is JFK's birthday. That was total news to me, not something on my radar. I, I didn't live through the 60s. I didn't experience his assassination. So that's not something on my mind, but even thinking in more modern terms, we have high schoolers right now meeting in our high school ministry. Some of them, young ninth graders, born after 9-11. After 9-11. So this event that shaped our country's history going forward, this event that messed with so many of us in a personal way, for those of you with kids, have you ever sat down to watch the video with them? Have you shared the stories? Have you talked to them about what your experience was that day? Because if not, then a nation that swore it would never forget is already in the process of forgetting. See, and there's a sense of urgency there. And as we looked at this passage and saw what happened in the book of Judges, that's the urgency we felt. And that's why we wanted to share with you because this is a generation in Judges that had completely forgotten about God. And that cannot happen. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to dig into this series called Look. And we're going to do three things. We're going to look up and have an opportunity to look towards those who have come before us, who have lived a little bit longer, who have some wisdom that we can glean from them. We're going to challenge you to look down and look to those coming after you, those that you can pour into, those who you can pass a little bit of wisdom onto. And then finally, Adam's going to challenge us to look around because, yeah, there's lots of different generations represented in our, in our room today, but at the same time, we're all part of the, the same generation walking this earth today. And so we have a responsibility to each other to make sure we're holding each other accountable. And if there are things that we can learn, we need to challenge each other to learn those things. And so we're going to hit a lot of different angles. Today we're starting with looking up. And our team put together a pretty cool video that kicks us off. So let's check it out. Do you have an older mentor in your life? Oh. Currently? I don't think I have one. It's kind of sad. I mean, I want one. I think I need one. I think everyone needs one. Do you have an older mentor in your life? Yes, I do. Who is it? Uh, my stepdad. My grandfather. I have a friend who is a wife and a mom, too, so she helps me understand how to balance it all and do it well. He shows me right from wrong from his mistakes, and I think I learn a lot from him. He's been a giant help in my life, figuring out who I am as a person and what I want to do with my life. One of my friends, Jan. Um, yeah, my dad. 
she's lived life and she knows a lot more than I do. <laughs> he has always set a good example of what it's like to follow God and be in the Word all the time. I mean, he read his Bible every morning, so he's always there for good advice and he's always been a good role I think it's someone who can guide you. It's someone who has wisdom. Without him, I wouldn't be anywhere where I'm at now. Oh, I would love a mentor. Uh, it's, it's awesome, you know, a way to be sharpened and encouraged, and I would love that. I miss it. I do. All right, I think I saw a couple of you guys in that video, so thanks for being a part of that. Now, I, I love this idea of looking up because I've honestly had a lot of good help in my life. I've had people who have spoken into my life and provided some direction. It's been youth pastors and coaches and professors, even bosses along the way. But for me, the biggest influence in that way has been my dad. All right, there are situations where even hunting. Dad, have, have you hunted in this spot? Yeah, I've hunted in that spot. Got plenty of deer there. I'll have some good success there, I think. Dad, I got this car thing. It's making this weird noise. Have you heard this before? It's like, that kind of a thing. And he's like, well, you know. I've heard that before. I think that's your car trying to dial into America Online, I believe. You're going to want to get that checked out. That's not a healthy thing for your car to be doing. <laughs> so there's that stuff. There's other parts of life. Dating as I was growing up. Lots of good advice to the point where I've told my dad, Dad, you simply can't die. There's too much I need from you yet. There's, you, you can't leave me. Uh, and so I've had good help, and it's been wisdom that when I've heeded it has been very fruitful in my life. But I haven't always listened. See, I think I ended up at the right school, got the right degree for what I wanted to become, but I did, I think in spite of the push of people in my life, I think I ignored God's call to ministry for a little bit longer than I should have. I had the privilege on our wedding day of giving the gift of purity to my bride, and yet I do think that in spite of wisdom, I stuck with a couple girlfriends a little longer than I should have. With my dad's help, and, and really this is a uh, gross overstatement because uh, it was mostly him doing it and me watching. We nursed my first couple cars along a lot further than they should have gone. And so I had good help there, but there was this other time where I put motor oil in the windshield washer reservoir. Um, and so it's a long story. We're not going to get into it. It, it. Actually, it's a short story, but the more I tell it, it's, I look even dumber. So, um, But honestly, okay, it's Memorial Weekend. Are we friends here? Can I share a little bit of my life with you? Okay, Brighton, dig in. This is going to be fun. Uh, I had uh, uh, this car in high school, super old, um, and, and I don't know any. I'm not good with cars, all right? When I do things, things get worse, and so I just leave them alone. It, the mechanical stuff doesn't come naturally for me, and yet, as my dad and I would nurse this thing back to health on various occasions, I wanted to have some role to play in the process. And in my mind, refilling the washer fluid would be an easy way to contribute, right? No problem. So I'm in the garage by myself, and I'm looking for washer fluid, and I see the bottles there on the floor, and so I grab one. So far, so good. Now, I know enough to know that usually it's like blue or green or maybe a pretty pink color if it's the washer fluid. This bottle was, I mean, I guess the closest color would be brown. Uh, so this bottle had some brown liquid in it, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm skeptical. So you got to give me credit because I was skeptical. Uh, but I'm looking at the label. I read the label, washer fluid, check. Looked at the back, has all the instructions, check, because there's instructions for the washer fluid for people like me. Um, seems, and I'm spinning the thing around like, this looks right. The cap was on tight, so it's prob I think it's probably new. 
So I'm at this turning point where I could either ask or just act. I acted because I'm a man of action. All right? So I popped the, pop the lid off the reservoir and start dumping. It was only like two or three seconds. But you know how much liquid can come out of a container in two or three seconds before I realize, no, 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 no. And that's all I could say, no, 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 over and over again. I should have asked. I should have asked. I had then found out uh, that my dad likes to store used motor oil out of the car in empty washer fluid containers. Um, and I didn't ask. I blew it. I didn't tell him. He was actually at the 7 o'clock service last night here in Plymouth. Um, he didn't know the story until I told it, and I looked at his face, and there was zero surprise. It was like, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so... Totally ridiculous. We sold the car a couple years later. I didn't say anything to anybody. Um, I don't know if the guy went to... I never tried to use the thing. I'm not stupid. I didn't think that oil, like... You'd have to be an idiot to think oil's going to come out of the sprayer, right? Yep. We, we won't even get into, get into the time when I put diesel into my grandma's Cadillac. Uh, that was brutal. That was on our honeymoon, right? Because nothing says grandma's, nothing says honeymoon like grandma's house. Uh, but that's where we found ourselves. And uh, sweetheart, that's a long story too. But uh, <laughs> I don't think we're as good of friends as you said we were. So you're not going to hear anything more from me today. So clearly I've had good help. I've had people around me. And yet at the same time, I'm a turd, right? Uh, I, I, I think... I know better. I think I can do this. I can figure this out. And sadly, I'm saddled with the same curse as everyone who's come before me, where even in the midst of good help, even in the midst of good advice and wisdom, I think I can do it myself. I should do it myself. I will do it myself. And this comes from lots of different places. Sometimes this starts from a good place. I'm going to figure it out on my own. This is something I want to do. I want to pave my own road, independent of what's been given to me, independent of help that's been offered. This is that old bootstraps mentality. I'm going to pick myself up, and I'm going to do it. So I think it can kind of start from a good place, but sometimes it comes from a place of fear where we're a little bit intimidated by the prospects of actually approaching someone and asking for help and getting their advice. Sometimes I think we simply don't know what we don't know. We don't know that we need wisdom on a given issue. We don't know that we need direction in our life. And, and so we just move on without it. But sometimes, sometimes, and this is the case for me a lot of the time, it comes from a place of pride, just a complete lack of self-awareness where we think, I've arrived. I've got this. I've lived enough. I've experienced enough. I can do this by myself. And by the way, you're not relevant enough to speak into my life. Your generation doesn't get my generation. I don't need you. That's not a good place to be coming from. And whether it's coming from a good place or a bad place, inevitably we repeat the same mistakes, experience the same heartache, and live in the same sin and consequences as those who came before us. I imagine some of you have probably jumped into relationships that you regret, even though someone probably warned you ahead of time. Some of you probably have taken jobs that you ended up hating once you found out what you could have known if you had simply asked the right questions ahead of time. I imagine some of you have probably jumped into new business opportunities or even investments that were ill-advised because maybe the person who gave you advice, you didn't really like them because they're always right. You just don't get along with them. And I hate when that person's right. And they ended up being right. 
We've all struggled through difficult seasons in our lives, difficult times, weaknesses that we continue to struggle with, times with our kids where things are just on high alert all the time, but something gets in the way of us looking up to those who could speak into our situation. See, this tension that we experience is the same tension that was a contributor to the downfall of the Israelites coming out of that Moses and Joshua era where the history was available to them. The guidance, the wisdom, the the knowledge of God and everything that he was capable of was available to them. And this issue was repeated throughout their history. And I think if we're honest, it's repeated in all of our lives over and over again. And I'm I'm not just talking to those in the early stages of life. Just naturally it tends to be those who are younger who re- reject advice and want to move on without help and want to do it on their own. But really for all of us, anyone who's attempting to take a next step spiritually has room for people to speak into their lives. We all have that opportunity, but I think we tend to pass on those opportunities. Sometimes, if not every time, we think we can do it by ourselves. We should do it by ourselves, and we will do it by ourselves. And in those situations, all you have is you. Your knowledge, your wisdom, your experience, your own method of trial and error. But I think there's more that we can get to. So as we jump in today with this idea of looking up, I'm going to talk about a guy in 1 Kings chapter 12... Uh, And this is a guy who really did it wrong. He handled the situation poorly, but hopefully we can take from his situation and learn how to handle it God's way. Uh, And just to let you know where we're at, I told you about the Judges passage. We're going to fast forward about 500 years into the future from that passage. So we had Moses and Joshua. We had Judges. That's the time of Samson and Gideon and Deborah and some of those great heroes of that book. Eventually, Israel gets a king. They start with King Saul. Saul gives way to King David from the David and Goliath story. David passes it on to his son Solomon, and now we find ourselves at Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son. So Rehoboam is this young king. He's just taken over. And and they're coming off a time. The people loved Solomon. He did some great things for the nation, and yet they do have something that they want to bring Rehoboam. That's a little bit of a complaint and a request on their behalf. And so that's where we pick it up. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 4, and it says this. The people said, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So Rehoboam answers, go away for three days and then come back. So the people went away. Now this heavy yoke, it's a bit of an understatement because really Solomon, as great as he was, placed a major burden on the people. During his time, they built this great temple for the Lord. They also built this huge palace for Solomon. And there are other miscellaneous projects going on. And so in the midst of that, of course, anytime there are projects happening, there's a strain on the workforce. So the people are overworked. The people are overtaxed. And they're really struggling with that. As part of that, there's some tension between north and south because a lot of these really cool projects were happening in the south. And yet tax money was coming from the northern territories. Workers were coming from the north. And so they're feeling like they got gypped a little bit because all this cool stuff was happening but they were working for it and they were paying for it. So there's a, a little bit of a threat of rebellion on the scene here where uh, Rehoboam is having to deal with this. Now add to that the fact that Solomon, his dad, his, his biggest rival is back on the scene. This is a guy that Solomon chased off and threatened to execute for trying to steal the throne. This guy is back representing the people in their complaints to the king. And so there's some tension there, and Rehoboam, early in his reign, is navigating some difficult waters. And so let's see how he handles this. 1 Kings 12, 6 says, Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. 
Now, this is a good start. We've got to give him some credit here. He asked the question. He visited with those who had some experience. They had been through some battles politically. They had been through some battles militarily. They had seen things. They have perspective. Okay, they had their finger on the pulse of the nation. They knew where they had been. They knew where they were probably going. And they were a good group of guys who could speak into this. So Rehoboam does a good thing. The elders reply, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So they paint a pretty good picture of what will happen if he'll relent a little bit. Now he'd, he'd have to back off a little bit. He wouldn't be able to dive into the same projects that Solomon did. But they're saying you could really do some good things and please the people if you'd relent a little bit. Verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and who were serving with him. And he asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer these people? Now these are guys, Rehoboam, his dad was king. His grandpa was king. And I'm telling you, he probably wasn't as streetwise as you would hope someone would be if they're leading a nation. And all of his friends... These weren't like guys from the streets, okay? These were guys who grew up in privilege with him. They probably spent a lot of time in the palace. They had not been through the battles politically. They had not been through anything militarily. They did not have perspective. They did not have their finger on the pulse of the people. And yet Rehoboam wants to consult with them. And let's see what they say. The young men who had grown up with him replied, These people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will make it even heavier. And my father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. And so a few days later, the people come back, and it says in verse 13, the king answered them harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men. And then jumping down to verse 16, it says, when all Israel saw that the king had refused to listen to them, they answered the king, and I'll paraphrase, Bye. At the end of that verse, the Israelites went home. They voted with their feet. And they went away. Now here's Rehoboam. Like we said, he's facing a difficult situation here. This is not easy, especially early in your reign as king. But what he has is a chance to unify the people. All he had to do was listen to the wisdom that was available to him. But no, Rehoboam had to prove how smart he was, how tough he was, what a big man he was. And he went his own way. He decided... I can do it, I should do it, I will do it myself. And as a result, the nation split. And they find themselves warring against themselves for generation after generation. And what he discovers is that he has a kingdom that's very chaotic, very temporary, and very human. I can't help but think of the book of Proverbs written by Rehoboam's dad of all people, Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, Solomon's writing, and I can almost see him writing this in the presence of his sons as they grow up. Maybe seeing Rehoboam, knowing that he's the heir to the throne. Maybe even seeing some of these weaknesses in him early on. And he writes in Proverbs 4, Listen, my sons, to a father's instructions. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Down in verse 4, it says, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. If you get nothing else, get this. Get wisdom. 
Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. And so the theme is very simple in here. And and Proverbs is full of challenges like this. He's saying, get wisdom. If you ignore it, if you ignore our example, you'll deal with the consequences. But if you'll cherish it, if you'll seek it, if you'll give up everything to find it, if you'll look up, you'll live. And instead of experiencing something chaotic and temporary and human, you can experience something peaceful and eternal and divine. And so Rehoboam, this son of the great wise king Solomon, was just like those that we found in Judges and just like many of us today. He had a chance to learn from the past, to learn from those who had already been where he was. He had a chance to experience what God would do with a faithful and obedient nation, and yet he rejected the advice of the elders in favor of his boys. And he learned a very tough, very difficult lesson the hard way. And this is what I want us to, us to grasp this morning. To get where you want to go, look up to those who have already been where you are. To get where you want to go, look up to those who have already been where you are. You'll never be everything you could be without the wisdom of others. And this is more than just good advice. This is more than just educated guesses. Those are valuable things in their own place. But what we're talking about is wisdom. This is standing on those who are a few steps ahead of you in order to exponentially improve your rate of growth in your life. Rehoboam didn't get it. The generation that we discover in Judges didn't get it. And their choice is your choice. Their families are your families. And we have an opportunity this morning to get it. And we can say kids these days, of course. Yeah, absolutely. As, as people grow up, as they experience the younger years and they're learning things and experiencing things for the first time, there tends to be a need for growth and wisdom there. But this is all of us, of every generation. And so please, hear me. If you're here and you're, here, you're a student, maybe you're here and you're single, or, or, or you're a young couple, newly married, or a young family, even grandpas and grandmas, please hear me. There are people who have been where you are there are people who, are, who have done what you're doing. They have fought the battles that you're fighting. They have lived your life. You don't have to do it alone. I imagine some of you probably came in with some struggles this morning. There's things that you're frustrated about, pain in your life, maybe things you've never even verbalized to anyone, whatever it is. Some of it, some of it might be things that you've brought on yourself. Some of it might be things you couldn't have even avoided if you tried, but you're dealing with it nonetheless. And I want you to know something. Please hear this. There are people who have been where you are. They have done what you're doing. They have fought the same battles. They have lived your life. You don't have to do it alone. There are options for us. We can look up to those who have been where we are, who have been where we're going. And so as we attempt to live this out in our lives, I want, to, I want you to answer one question in your own mind. Ask yourself this. Who has been where I am going? Who has been where I am going? And as part of that, who, is, who has been where I am now? And keep in mind, this is a spiritual formation exercise, okay? This, this idea can apply to you just personally in the way that you live your life. It can apply to you professionally. There's people ahead of you in the, on the corporate ladder that can speak into your life. Those are all good things, but what we want to focus on this morning is the spiritual side. What's an area of your faith where you need to grow, where you need to experience something more and take some steps? It's about being more connected, being stronger in your faith, developing that relationship with Christ. See, it's been said that wise people learn from their mistakes, but the wisest people learn from others' mistakes. 
that's the opportunity we have. And age is part of it. Just naturally, as, as people experience life, a lot of the times the people that can speak into your situation are going to be older, but it's really just looking for someone who has been where you are, someone who already is where you're going. And it could even be someone who has been where you don't want to be, and they can look back on where they went and give you some advice and direction in your life. There's always someone ahead of you on the journey, someone to look up to. Find them. Buy them lunch. Welcome them into your home. Make them a part of your life. If you're not sure where to find someone, if you're not sure, and and this isn't just a mentor where every week we're going to meet or every other week we're going to meet. This is just someone who you can go to, someone you can connect with, who can speak into your life. We have a, a brand new Next Steps team, and their entire job is basically to be your tour guide to the next step in your relationship with Christ. They want to get you connected with the right people, get you connected in the right places so that you can start forming those relationships and experience that speaking of wisdom into your life. And so connect with them if if you're looking for those opportunities. Parents, this is a much more difficult process for kids and for teenagers. It's on you to make sure that there's other people in their lives that that can speak into them and mentor them and, and be a source of wisdom for them. Because here's the reality. If you haven't experienced this already, I'm seeing parents with teenagers around the auditorium here in Plymouth. I'm sure that's the same in Brighton there. At some point, they're going to just assume that you're stupid. All right? Some of you have experienced this already. They don't care what you have to say, no matter how smart it is. And so if there's other people that can speak into their life, really, they're going to say the same stuff. They just don't think they're stupid. Okay? So it's other people who can provide that same type of wisdom. Make sure that your kids are being exposed to people who can speak into their lives. Maybe it's you. I know Colston's going to get into this a little bit next week, but you saw in that video that we showed uh, towards the beginning, a lot of them mentioned dad and mom as the people they see. They see them reading their Bibles. They see them living out their faith. Can your kids say that about you? We'll get into that a little bit more in the coming weeks, but I just wanted to throw that out there. But who has been where I am? Who has been where I am going? And as you're processing that, I want to challenge you the wisdom that you do receive, receive that wisdom with humility. Receive wisdom with humility. Show a willingness to learn and try. It's this constant repetition in our minds. I have not arrived. I have not arrived. I can't do this on my own. I'm not going to get there by myself. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. I have not arrived. I can't get there alone. And really, we have to remember that we don't want to arrive at a false destination. This is uh, maybe a challenge for those of you who are further down the line, maybe a part of an, uh, an older generation. It's easy to get sucked into this idea that you're there already. You've arrived. You've got it figured out. You've lived all these years. You've had these jobs. You've dealt with these issues in your life. And now I'm there. We can't get to that false destination. In your life, you never stop needing a pastor. You never stop needing people to speak into your life. For anyone who's taking steps spiritually, there's someone ahead of you. Now, maybe, uh, I think somebody in Inkster recently turned 116 years old. Maybe they'll have trouble finding someone older. But it's not just about finding someone older. Maybe, maybe there's a one spot spiritually, one spot in your life that needs to be improved a little bit where you can take some steps. Find somebody who's further along in that area, even if they're a little bit younger. That's okay. It's someone who's a little further along. Be open to it. Receive it with patience and humility. And as always, the caveat to this is make sure you're filtering that wisdom through the lens of Scripture because there are people who have lived life 
and had experiences, and they've come out of those with the wrong lessons and the, lo- the wrong interpretation of how that went down and what they needed to learn from it. And so make sure as people are speaking into your situation, you're filtering it through what God says. And that's when you'll discover the true wisdom. Because that's really what it comes down to. We have an opportunity to look up, and as I think about Solomon, his wisdom came from God. He looked up and experienced it from God. And so the last verse I want to share with you this morning is this. It's Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because here's the thing. We can talk all we want about people and books and podcasts and, and all these other sources of wisdom. And those are great and those are important. I hope that you incorporate those types of things. But without the wisdom that comes from knowing God himself, He's the author of wisdom. Without that relationship with Christ, without him working on us from the inside out, none of it's going to matter. That's the number one thing we'll ever talk about here at Northridge, and that's a relationship with Jesus, because that's where it has to start, and that's where the wisdom comes from. That's where the change comes from. And so I don't know where you're, where you're coming from today. I don't know what your situation is. But I imagine there may be some here who have never begun that relationship. And I want you to know that if you want wisdom, if you want direction, if you want change in your life, that's where it has to start. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning. And uh, if you do me a favor, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. And we're going to pray. And there's nothing magical or mystical about bowing your head or closing your eyes. But what it does is it gives us an opportunity to focus on God in this moment. And I'm going to pray. And if you've never given your life to Christ and you want to do that now, just pray this in the quietness of your own heart. Just say, God, I've done things on my own. I've done it my way, by myself, and it's just not working. God, I want more. I want your wisdom. I want your love. I want the change that you can bring in my life. Thanks for sending Jesus to die for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could start fresh. Now come into my life and work on me on the inside. God, I want your wisdom. I want you in my life. And from this point forward, help me to love you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you made that decision today, or really anything, we have these, uh, these perforated cards in our programs. You received it as you came into the auditorium, wherever you're watching. Uh, and if you just tear that off, there's a place where you can... Uh, give us your name and information and tell us the decision that you made. There's a, a spot at the bottom that says, Today I prayed to receive Jesus Christ in my life for the first time. Please tell us. If you have a prayer request, something that you're struggling with, feel free to write that in there. There are ministries listed on the back if you have questions. If you want to connect with our Next Step team, this is a great way to let us know. And there are boxes at the back of our auditoriums here in Plymouth, the same in Brighton. And if you're watching uh, Church on Demand, there's a tab at the top that says, What's Next? Click that, and we'll do the same for you there. Uh, But really, we want to come alongside you. We want to make sure that if there's wisdom that we can provide, if there's some direction that we can provide for you, we want to do that, but you got to let us know. And honestly, if there's anything that you're dealing with in the moment that you want to pray through, that you want to just chat through with somebody, we'll have a team up front uh, in the auditorium here, same in Brighton. They'll be available to you uh, to pray with you and just talk through some things with you if that's what you'd like. Um, Because that's an important thing, to make sure you're not doing this whole thing alone. Because as we look at Joshua, I'm sorry, Judges 2, both today and over the next couple weeks, we have an opportunity. This is something that can really drastically change the trajectory of your life. It can change the trajectory of your family for generations if we can grasp this idea of looking up to those who have come before us. And then ultimately as the series goes on, pouring into those behind us and pouring into those who are peers. 
we can be chaotic and temporary and very human, or we can live lives and influence families that can be peaceful and eternal and divine if we'll only just look up. Thanks for being here, guys. Have a great weekend.